Indeed, we are live back for another episode of the AltMed podcast. I'm here, Andrew Dowling, with my co-host, Mitch Kurtz. And I'm going to let Mitch do the introduction here. The introduction? Well, we have the very, very famous, infamous, oh, it's a bit of both, uh, Tommy, Tommy Huffert for the CEO of Canatrek and doing some amazing things in Australia, some amazing projects and I would love for you to say hello and tell us a little bit about your journey to date because that's what we all want to know. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew and Mitch for having me on today. Um, I'm just a simple guy from St Kilda. Um, <laughs> and uh, how did a humble accountant get into this game? That's what I, I, I asked myself. Um, it's, it's, quite, it's quite simple. You know, there, there was an unmet need I saw you know, we've seen this space for decades and slowly country by country, we saw uh, cannabis licenses appear first in, in the Netherlands many years ago and in Israel and Canada and all the challenges in America. And, and we had this resurgence, I think in 2014, where there was a vision for medicinal cannabis to enter the Australian continent. So I was just in the right place at the right time and, and really fortunate to get one of the early licenses. And from that moment, we, we've been looking at how to build a, a great Australian business from day one. And a lot of challenges uh, with the regulation and the, the, the legislation in its original and its uh, reenacted format, which is currently undergoing some change. But I, I think Australia has a, a, a real opportunity to make a place in the world uh, and and be a leader with great climate, great people, uh, great story of, of cannabis. I believe the country was founded on hemp. So uh, it's it's in our bones and in our blood, so to speak, <laughs> in our history books. Um, Fantastic. That's what we should be teaching uh, loud and clear in, in primary school. So <laughs> It's a bit of a, um, a process of rediscovery, isn't it? <laughs> so, Certainly, certainly. I'd say the, the accounting background probably helps you count all those plants that uh, we can see in your background there. Um, <laughs> maybe it might be worth from the outset giving it, just notifying people that you're not actually sitting in, in the cannabis well, Or are you? Or uh, are you? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm actually uh, in St Kilda. And um, the, what you see behind me is our facility in southern Queensland, which... Has been a, a project of uh, over four years, um, navigating the, the legislation and being able to essentially build a, a factory which hadn't been built before. So uh, it, it was quite challenging, and we're really lucky to have, have pulled it off. And, and now we're in perpetual harvest. Fantastic harvest. Uh, that's probably news or like uh, music to many people's ears at this point because obviously one of the pressing things right now is the uh, flower shortage that we hear so much about sure. um, in every podcast in every uh, news article in every linkedin post sure. um, any thoughts on that current situation in australia yeah so listen the the um local industry is getting up on its feet and it's had um, challenges and we look forward to seeing more and more companies like ourselves getting up and, and going through the process of building farms and, and releasing products. So I think, I think there'll be a lot of maturity in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months in Australia. We'll, we'll see a real industry. Um, and I've, I've got a question, Tommy, just about the, um, 
I mean, the fact that you, you mentioned you were one of the, I guess, the, the first people of Canatrek, your company was one of the first to get licenses. You've kind of played a, a bit of a role in, in shaping the industry. And I, I know you were talking about how Australia has the opportunity to become a leader, but just in fleshing that out, how have we gone down a different path in Australia? And, and what do you think the future looks like for cannabis in Australia? Yeah, I think we've got good foundations, again, with the legislation. The, the most important thing that we have a meeting of the eye between the stakeholders and the, the regulators, there's, there's now a, an open channel of communication. And without doubt, that is the key to a, to a robust industry. Um, it was a bit, a bit difficult early days, but I, I think there was a bit of overwhelmingness in the industry, both from the applicants and, and the government, just trying to understand the speed of the rollout and the interest um, from from whether it's the patients or the prescribers. Um, so we, we see a lot of merging of, of real interests, which is better healthcare for patients. We want to provide a natural medicine. There's a, a, you know, an outpouring of, of interest in research, um, which is rolling throughout all our universities. So it, it is quite exciting, I think, in the maturity of the market. Yeah, it feels like some of the feedback has been that Australia is pushing towards being possibly one of the most, if not the most advanced medical operation potentially in the world, maybe only in line with that. I don't even know, maybe in Germany or potentially Switzerland. Um, but it feels like we're really headed in that direction because of the stringent protocols and, and, and rules and regulations put in by the TGA and the ODC and all the d- different bodies. Would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, absolutely. The TGA is an excellent uh, name in international pharmaceutical supply chains. We, we, we hear of the great CSL. It was a government business and it's turned into a, you know, a leading worldwide phenomena. Um, they're, they're working very hard at the moment with the COVID-19 vaccines. And Australia is an agricultural country. And, you know, we have great resources. We have sun. So we have everything going for us. We have innovation. Um, to be competitive, we're going to have to be more innovative. Um, but we, if we can put put all that together with the acceptance in global markets, there's a great opportunity for us to to be one of the not only the the growers but the manufacturers and the distributors in a complete uh, inter- integrative model, which is really what would be a prize for Australia. You know, oh. Export income and, and and jobs locally. I, I'm playing um, devil's advocate a bit here, but. I've, you know, in talking to just different people who use medicinal cannabis, both black market and legal products, um, they often describe that, you know, we've carved out this niche for ourselves where we, our identity is this kind of pharmaceutical grade industry. And, you know, does that come at the cost potentially of uh, a situation where we actually have a recreational market? And where we have um, the potential for people to participate in recreational industry, do you, do you see that by going so far the way that we've gone, that that might potentially have an impact on a, a potential recreational industry in Australia? Um, I think Australia's a chance to look at other jurisdictions: Canada, Israel, Germany, Netherlands, and really, you know really cherry pick in a way what is best for Australians and, and how do you know that there's political there's cultural and everything in between so 
I, I see, I don't like using the word recreational. I think, um, you know, cannabis, alcohol, uh, um, other products, they're, they're all considered uh, drugs. Um, and I use that word in inverted comments. Um, you know, food can be a drug as well. Chocolate uh, can be a, an addictive drug and not good for you. So, you know, everything in its in moderation, but I think we're looking at a regulated market from a product point of view, which is embedded in our TGA and the supply chain, good quality. You know, we do lots of tests on, on toxins on the product and, and that's good for consumers. At the moment, you have this illicit industry and no one knows what it's, you know, how it's grown and, and actually what is, is the consumer receiving is in the illicit market, which is a huge problem. So, you know, it, if we look at the alcohol industry, a classic model where it was illegal, you know, pre-1930s, there was moonshine, people were um, you know, um, brewing in their, in their garage, but commercial scale really got going in the 30s. But, you know, we, we, we do have still issues um, with alcohol, as everyone knows, but cannabis has been thriving underground and almost, um, you know, we, we're seeing this turnaround, whether it's the policing of the product or the, the quality of the product, but also culturally, how, how will this, this roll out in the, in the short, medium and long term? Um, I think we have to look at the other jurisdictions and really analyse, you know, what, what would fit the Australian model and yeah. meet with the regulator, debate it openly and, and get a consensus, you know, politically, stakeholders and, and, and government. Yeah, I definitely, I don't think it'll ever get to a point where it's a free-for-all in Australia. I think we're, um, you know, I, I agree. I think we'll look to other jurisdictions around the world for guidance on, say, food safety standards if we were to ever go down that path. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting discussion. But I want to now take you to Canatrek because it's, I know it's your, it's your baby, uh, for want of a better term. Um, and... <laughs> And it's been, um, I know it's just been an amazing journey and you, you're sort of in the process now of transitioning between um, manufacturing and, and activities that you're doing in, um, in, a, in Brisbane, at the Brisbane facility and moving to, to the Shepparton project. So are you able to maybe just give us a rundown of, of where the company's up to and even perhaps some comments about the journey to date? Yeah, so as I mentioned, the, the site behind me has been our, our focus for the last um, four or five years, both in the planning and the, the, um, the building and deployment and now the, the growing. Um, we're now moving to a beautiful area in Victoria, in Shepparton, which is the, the fruit bowl of Australia, fantastic weather, long sunlight days. We have a beautiful property of uh, 180 acres, uh, plenty of water, completely flat, and, and we're planning to to use the property at its um, at its best um, in a combination of a, a glass house. And we have a full development approval for that site. So we're gonna build it in a scaled operation. We're gonna grow as the industry grows. Also looking at an outdoor grow there and um, some ancillary support, um, which will, will help us manufacture and, and distribute products. So we're, we're now um, very close to um, um, turning turning dirt on that site. Um, it was a challenging year last year uh, with COVID, but we used that time to further plan and drill down you know, every aspect of the project. So 
we, we're, we're looking forward for the next um, 12 to 18 months as that project gets up and that'll vastly expand the scale of Canatrex's production footprint, but also at the services um, that we'll, we'll, we, we feel are essential in, in the supply chain. Sounds like has the uh, town of Shepparton, uh, I just got a question on Shepparton. Has it been quite warm about the idea of having a big uh, cannabis facility? I mean, there's, it's good for local employment, but, you know, how's, how's that all been? Oh, we've, we've had a, a really, a, an absolute, um, I would say, welcome mat uh, for us. Um, the company, we went early to visit the council and, and made sure that the, the process was obviously above board and accepted. And, and at the end of the day, it's an agricultural town. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking at securing a, a, a good grow model and, and, and value add. So there's a lot of plus for the Shepparton community. We're engaging with a lot of the trades there um, already. It's, it's going to be quite exciting. Um, and a lot of, positive uh, knock-on effects um for the community in general amazing right it sounds like you're really quite busy i think i can tell just by the number of emails that has come through during this podcast we can hear <laughs> buzzing off as we go oh, along. is that my uh, your view <laughs> um but um there, there is one burning question I, I, I hear people talk about this all the time and i think you'd be the perfect uh, candidate to answer this type of question um your personal opinion on local versus imported at this current time, when you're when people are accessing imported, I don't mean black market imported, I mean imported from from companies that are operating lo- locally, um, versus you know the product that is being growing in Australian soil. Where do you think they sit in a in a, in a global scale at the moment? Oh, I think um, you talk about quality or. Uh... Um, I'm going to leave you to, to uh, interpret uh, that one, and uh, you, just yeah. what what you what you I think, think. I think that you, you know, when when I saw this opportunity, the fact that we could import product and start to develop a, a supply chain and, and and offer product to patients early on was was really important. So that we're still in that phase. I mean, we know over ninety percent of the medicines being imported, so it's a crucial part that that that. Is a, that can you know continues on? Um, there will be a, a pivot towards local production, and I think that'll develop over the next two to three years. Um, obviously, we'd like to have um, uh, more local production, and I think that we'll, we'll see that happening very soon. Okay, fantastic. And I guess hand in hand with that conversation comes the one that we that everyone seems to talk about, which is the S three these down scheduling and the plays that everybody's kind of making towards, you know, there's a bit of a V line towards that feels a bit like the Holy grail at the moment, but um, yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts personally on that? Uh, yeah. Theming race? Listen, it's um, I think it's a, it's a, a stepping stone to seeing CBD as a wellness product. I think it's the first stage and it is a very high criteria that the TGA are asking I mean, when you think about it, you can actually access the product today just via a, a prescription. So um, to be able to have this passed to the pharmacy as the prescriber from a GP, um, it's not really changing how you can get the medicine. It's, it's who is really signing off to get the medicine. So it's going to be interesting 
the, the time and effort and the cost to actually pass the criteria. It's very rare globally to have the requirements to pass the pharmaceutical barriers. You know, GW Pharma, I think, are one of, one of only one to have got a, a, reg, a, a medicine registered. So we've been working for many, many years. Um, and, yeah, yeah. Interesting how this will roll out, the S3 legislation and, and the flexibility of the TGA. But it's something that we're obviously very keen to pursue. Well, in, in terms of that, then maybe a better question is what, what type of products do you see in the future of Australia? Which ones do you see being the um, kind of seminal products that will be? Yeah, and I'm, I've got a tail question on that too, just while it's burning in my head is, do you think that the first S3 product is going to be a strictly sort of, you know, CBD isolate product in oil? Or do you think it will be something more akin to a, a, a broad or a full spectrum with you know less than ten percent, uh, sorry, less than two percent uh, minor cannabinoids. Sorry, very technical question there, but just needed to get that one in. Uh, I think the S three won't be so much how many milligrams per mil; it'll be how many milligrams per mil will be will prove efficacy. I think the safety will will, will be an easy uh, criteria, but the efficacy of a medical claim is really the is uh, the, the, the challenge for, for researchers. Um, and will it exceed 150 milligrams mil? Potentially. Mm. I think it's a waiting game. I think it's worth going down this pathway because wouldn't it be wonderful to actually have a, a claim uh, a bit like, you know, vitamin C is good for the winter cold, you know, and, and it's over the counter. So have CBD for a, a back, back pain or for, for, whatever medical claim, because I think um, by having the medicine um, in the current form where SAS pathway is the only access, it leaves a lot of skepticism and a lot of questions asked by the general fraternity. So by passing through this S3 barrier that the TGA giving will surely uh, give the, the triumphant position of, of cannabis as the king of the herbs. You know, so that's, that's interesting. Why is it? Why is it being given? It's got hundreds of cannabinoids. Most products have one or two. So, so it's that. That's an interesting point. So, saying kind of if you if if or when CBD makes it into an S three format and it's uh, kind of the clinical data is done, you think there might be a shift in the doctor community to look at the entire plant as a. Oh, it'll give it its credibility, and the stigma will be taken away and. It will be embedded in Western medicine, finally. But, and, and, it, and the more indications that have proven with efficacy, the better for the industry in general. I do believe there's a space for non-listed um, products. I think that'll continue. I think mm. people want the, uh, the, the minor cannabinoids and the full-spectrum products. Um, and will they be able to... Uh, reach them in a, as you say, a, an adult use market, or will we still need to go to our doctor? I, I hope and, and believe that the access will be made simpler. So still you need, need a prescription, but you might need it once a year or every six months. So the, the visit to the doctor won't be onerous and expensive. It will be light and easy and safe. And, and you'll have like two streams. You can go to your doctor for your THC or minor cannabinoids 
or your compounding pharmacist, the S3, which is more of an isolate product, which will do its due diligence and efficacy and, and safety will, will hopefully be proven for, yeah. you know, uh, Matt, you know, more of a kind of a nutraceutical type of product. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you see it becoming a, a recreational product? You talk about a CBD S3 product or a bit like in Canada? Either. Um, I, I, I see, listen, from, I think, see a, a CBD as come, becoming far more prevalent um, in the future. I think THC will be tightly controlled, a bit like alcohol, yeah. um, with both checks and balances for the consumer and maybe the distributors, um, you know, the pharmacists. So there might be limits on the amounts a, a person can and purchase, which makes sense. Um, you know, how much cannabis can a person consume? Uh, and, and that may... That, that was a question for you, Mitch. <laughs> uh, much... well, isn't it uh, about 800 milligrams per kilo? <laughs> yeah, before you, you, you walk uh, wonky. But um, I think... Uh, it happens a lot earlier than that. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the industry practically, at the end of the day, there's, there's passion, there's... there's uh, there is, we have seen anecdotal evidence where there is a, um, a, a, a nexus between a prescriber and an indication and a patient. You know, we're seeing it a lot. We see it in the reviews we receive, emails. We, we, call, we call them appreciation bombs. We get an email, gets thrown to the whole team, and it's, it's um, where a patient, you know, thanks what we're doing. And, and each time it comes in a different format. And it really hits your heart, and and we, we we realize that's why we're here. That's why we're we work after hours. We wake up early. We're 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 all passionate to to go to work the next day, because these appreciation bombs make it all the worthwhile. Absolutely. Um, I just want to pick up though on something you said about controls on alcohol. I mean, to my mind. There are a few really, and I guess all I'm just thinking of is, will we have a situation where you have, you know, one day, not even a, a pharmacist supervising your or giving healthcare advice to enable you access to CBD? Will we actually have a retail scenario? Um, a name actually popped into my head the other day. You, um, please don't steal this. Uh, Can Murphy's? Um, will we? Will we have something like that where? <laughs> You know, you've got all the a range of retail CBD and CBG products. Is that is that on the horizon? It's already created Canatrek Warehouse. Canatrek Warehouse. <laughs> uh, it's coming soon to your your local corner. Lowest price is guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's interesting how the model. I mean, we've got the bottle shops for alcohol. You know, it is unlimited, which is a bit scary. I, I think that that we need to have the proper education, you know, all the way through, through, through our educational system and, mm. and learn, you know, the, the history, the nature of the plant it's, and its properties and let the consumer be informed, but also at the regulatory level, as you said, Mitch, um, how much can you consume in a day? So, you know, that, that if it's limited, it will remove a lot of other issues uh it's unlimited we know where that's going so you know both from the consumer the pharmacist etc so interesting politically but i don't think it needs a lot of uh 
complex laws. If it's anything like Dan Murphy's, then yeah, you should see Andrew with 4 p.m. on a Saturday. They're just stocking up for the night. It's a pretty scary thought. Cannabis <laughs> um, but no, I, like when you go to America, you, you see this, you go into uh, dispensaries, quote unquote, not like the, we would have here, but you, you go in there and you, you meet the bud tender and they take you through all the selections and you buy, you know, all different, you know, moods and, and feelings that they uh, tell you about Indica, Sativa, different terpene blends, different, uh, you know, cultivars. And, and you can really get into it from a bit of a chin stroker sommelier perspective and buy a whole range of stuff over there. And it seems to be um, at least quite popular. Um, if you look at the the, stat, the stats on tax in places like Colorado and Washington State and California. Yeah. How many years did it take for that industry to develop? Like... I mean, over how many years we're talking? What, 15, 20 years? Yeah, uh, you got. I guess you got to a point in some states where the medical system was so loose that that it was essentially felt like recreational in a sense. You get your medical card over there, and you, you, yeah. just, you know what I mean. But um, so it was probably a, a bit of a, a lighter step, so to speak. But you could you couldn't see CBD say um, on the shelf next to Panadol at Woolies or something like that. Um, I think in a light form, we might see it. You know, it might be limited to under, you know, 100 milligrams a packet. I, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I don't see why not. I mean, you see Panadol. We used to. I don't know if we still do. Yeah, you see Panadol in there, for yeah. sure. For sure. So I, I think eventually we'll see that. But I think we'll, we'll have that, you know, the, the coals, the, the S3 and the, and the prescription will be nice categories. And you'll have the food at the health stop, at the wellness shop, you know, your hemp seeds and your oil. I mean, you can, you can walk into an Aldi in Switzerland right now and buy a CBD plant. Buy the actual plant. Actual plant. Oh, wonderful. And like a, it's almost like the, the last stop, that, that last room before you get to check out at Ikea, you get all the, the, the plants, real ones, fake ones, but you can definitely get the real ones over there. I've seen them. in, in Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think needs a bit of a generational shift i think by the time you know your kids are in school they'll probably be able to go to aldi and, and, and <laughs> we'll be um oh, not woolies just aldi yeah we'll, we'll be instructing them sending them off with a, a shopping list <laughs> yeah. and, but i think you know now where it's just fascinating how the supply chain is just organically growing um and uh you know very exciting industry and again really fortunate to be a part of it um, a very a very um a very big part of it um i've got one final question i don't want to trample on mitch if he's got any more but i just wanted to know about just broadly speaking i know the export market is a really big part of um canatrex focus going forward and 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 you know a really big part of the australian industry generally how how is all that shaping up? You know, what are the challenge? The challenges. Which areas are you excited about? What can you tell us? Yeah, I think that um, the fact that there's not many companies who can export is pretty exciting. And that's you know, when you think about it, I think there's three Australian companies or four have exported already, including Canada. Mm. And you know, that's in in the first year of operations is quite incredible. Um, so we're, we're set up for export through our GMP, um, uh, mutually agreeable um, uh, standards. And I think that that's a real unique opportunity that Canada had and may have missed out or 
or uh, or other. Um, America, US, as you know, is is kind of stuck, and they've got a bigger market where they are. So I don't think they're really interested. So Australia, being only what 30 million people, even though we're quite high consumers per capita of cannabis, um, it, it is a natural opportunity. Um, we 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 believe. Uh, that our best market is at our doorstep and, and that's where we'll be focusing always and putting the patient, Australian patient first. Um, it is challenging now. Um, we, we have um, a lot of inquiries from, from Europe and, and UK. We've, we've, we've sent um, a few shipments. So, um, But their, their market is, is still in its infancy. So it's a bit of a juggling, uh, in, in, again, because the production... Volumes are quite small still in Australia. Yeah. So to be, you know, obviously service the domestic market first and then, uh, yeah, look to... Opportunities, um, pipelines, you know, with a pharmaceutical, you don't want to swap and change. You build relationships. It's really important. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. Right. Last question, I think, for me would be, it's interesting. We've had quite a few uh, medical professionals on here, a few doctors, pharmacists. And uh, always kind of get the most, uh, you know, the general questions that the public's asking. But uh, as a as a LP, what um, what are the kinds of questions that you seem to get more regularly than others? What do people want to know? What are the biggest pain points? You know, can you just take us through that as a parting kind of thought? Yeah, I think one of the the biggest difficulties is that um, cannabis companies don't seem to make any money, and uh, and we've seen a, a bit of a train wreck um, in other areas of the world. Um, but you do, you do see businesses which have just simple fundamentals, just doing great things. So that, that's always asked a lot. You know, there's skeptics and, and say, and, and, and uh, sometimes a bit impatient. You know, here we are in this project for over five years and just released medicine, you know, a few weeks ago. So uh, you need a lot of patience, but we are dealing with a highly valuable commodity. Um, and if you follow the simple fundamentals of, of not overextending yourself and, and, and visioning the industry, um, I think there is a great opportunity for a really a tremendous uh, business and also industry in Australia. Fantastic. Well, I think uh, that probably brings us to the end. If you, have no more questions, Andrew? No, no. The sort of overarching message I got from that last one was you need patience and patience. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And the patients <laughs> need patience as well. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. a circular economy and it's all about the patient. I keep telling my team it's all about the patient. And Without soon patients. Sorry? Patents as well. Patents if you want to throw it in. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're talking about a beautiful plant that, should be accessible to as many people as possible. Absolutely. By guidance of the appropriate people. Yeah. Well, we love the way that you go about it, Tommy, and we cannot thank you enough for giving us some of your time to, um, to take us through everything that you're up to. We really appreciate it. Cheers. Good pleasure. Good luck with the podcast. So I look forward to, to listening and uh, seeing you guys do great things. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks Tommy. We'll see you again soon. Cheers, mate. All right. Take care. Bye.